story that Amazon is developing a fleet of drones to deliver packages, but well, now they've been granted a patent for a drone that can respond to human gestures, including, and this is true, screaming and flailing. <laughs> the good news is if you scream and flail loud enough, the drone might even let you live. But it's, it's not as frightening as it sounds. The pattern says the drone can react by releasing the package it's carrying. So instead of stealing Amazon packages off your front step, thieves now just have to do this. Ah! <laughs> Got it. Let's go. Mm. Yeah. The, the first part of that joke about got a spit take out of me. That made me laugh. It might let you live. <laughs> and he went Only on. if you scream and flail loud right, Exactly, yeah. So, a former Supreme Court justice has said we should get rid of the Second Amendment. Um, so, I took the time to look up how you go about doing that, because I learned it in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, ninth grade, probably in college, but I've forgotten it every single time. Both, for, you got to start with both houses of Congress. Uh, gotta gotta decide it's a good idea with a two thirds vote. That's a hell of a hurdle right there. Both houses, the dumb one and the intransigent <laughs> one. <laughs> two thirds in both houses, right? Just to propose it to the states. Well, let's stop there because you're never going to get that, right? Correct. Nearly seventy senators and however many that would be of the, the house. No, you're just not going to get that. So right. we're done there. Right. I'm not even going to go any further. Though. Well, two thirds of the states, in case you're curious, then have to ratify, right? Last time was that we uh, actually amended the Constitution, because that's what you'd do. You'd add another amendment repealing the Second Amendment. Um, uh, the last time was in 1992. Repeal and replace. Repeal and replace. In 92, we amended the, Congress, the Constitution that Congress can't vote itself raises. That's the last time. Yeah, okay. So take that! So I don't like its chances. Um, so we spent the last couple of days, uh, Palo Alto, California, Stanford University, one of the most respected uh, uh, places of learning uh, on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. Gorgeous, too. And it's per- an absolutely beautiful campus. In particular, uh, the Hoover Institution, named, of course, for the vacuum cleaner magnate. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever see a picture of uh, Stanford, that big giant tower in the middle is the Hoover Tower. It's uh, designed to mimic the look of a vacuum cleaner. An upright vacuum cleaner. (laughs) I made it to the top of the tower yesterday. Did you do that? Cool. How's the view up there? Oh, it's beautiful. They got all sorts of bells and stuff up there. Ah, I like a good bell. So Herbert Hoover, of course, who was uh, president of the United States and uh, was Stanford's most famous alum for quite some time. Um, named Joe after Tiger him. Woods. <laughs> but anyway, you got a bunch of, uh, you know, really smart people that think about things. And, uh, and, and this get-together, am I assuming this correctly? It was probably written somewhere. Assuming the point of this was they had really smart people speak on a variety of topics like health care, um, the environment, global warming, that sort of stuff, war and peace, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a whole bunch of media people invited from all over the country that would then listen to their presentation and ask him some questions. And that's, I, 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 I assumed the point was informing the media about some of this stuff. It certainly seemed that way on the health care thing that Scott Atlas yes. wanted to inform the media, look, a lot of the stuff you don't you don't understand what you're talking about, and a lot of the stuff that you that you regularly uh, say or think is wrong. Right. Yeah. To express the Hoover Institution's point of view or the individual scholars, sure. And also, I just think to make the media aware that they are there and have really good ideas, and you ought to call them now and again. 
Yeah, that's good. I know but for the rest of my life on several topics, I will have information that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. So that's a good idea. And they put it out there to a whole bunch of different people. Um, that was just absolutely fascinating. Um, there, I, there are a lot of really smart people in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a percentage, there aren't a lot of really smart people. As a percentage of the population, there are very few really smart people. Maybe you could do a paper on that. (laughs) (laughs) But the smart people are really good. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was incredibly stimulating to talk to them. It was uh, humbling in a way. I spent a good deal of the day uh, thinking about academia and knowledge and study and life paths and, and the way, you know, I've done mine and the road not traveled, et cetera, et cetera. And then the road that was traveled for almost three hours to get home. Um, but, it, yeah, it was a very thought-provoking day. And I ended up in a good spot, honestly, in terms of you know me and my life and us and our show. But it was a spe- it's easy to feel a little inferior at times. I did not. I did not have that problem for whatever reason. So you think you're better than me? No, but I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with my the direction I've gone. Which is went. proof that you are inferior. See, that's unfortunate. <laughs> and it's the whole the incompetent You're an people. Idiot. Incompetent people don't know they're incompetent. <laughs> exactly. Thing. Inferior, truly inferior people don't know to feel inferior. I You're think a the, genius. The, uh, the whole thing was an elaborate ruse to do an experiment on what would happen if we invited halfwits <laughs> to the Hoover Institution. And, anyway. A lot I, of the media people, which almost were entirely from the Northeast... Um, which is just the way the media works in the United States, mm-hmm. is uh, we're very young, at least those in attendance, almost uh, entirely young. And I can't tell you how many people ask me, are you based in Washington, D.C. or New York? Hmm. That was the common question I got. Neither. Neither. How can you possibly exist in the world without being based in either Washington, D.C. or New York? Well, you see, there are tens of millions of human beings out here, and uh, they live and breathe and think. Almost the entire country does not live in Washington, D.C. or New York, but the people that talk about the country almost entirely do live in Washington, D.C. and New York, Mm -hmm. which is not good. There's no way you can make the argument that that's good, that we have the the voices. All the information filters through voices concentrated in two cities that couldn't be less like the rest of the United States. Correct. There's no way you can make the argument that's good. I don't know what you do about it. Well, and just I think the great under-discussed topic in america is cultures and subcultures and ways of approaching life and thinking about life and 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 every aspect of life from sex to religion to politics to business and if you have a particular chunk of the country they have a particular point of view of a lot of these things that can contrast a lot with other parts of the country not that one's valid and the other's not valid but you're right to have a single region that happens to have a pretty distinct culture telling the rest of us what's going on what we ought to think about it yeah i find that really uh, annoying troubling but mostly annoying well i think it's more than troubling i think like i said there's no way you could argue that that's a good idea it's got to distort our conversation it's Mm -hmm. got to yeah i mean just there's no getting around it. And it has. And that's how you end up with Donald Trump being elected president and those people concentrated in Washington, D.C. and New York saying that can't possibly have happened. I know all the people that and I've, I've known this for a long time, but I was thinking about the people I was having dinner with and everything like that. If you told them because uh, a- after the election, when the New York Times got it so wrong, because the- their predictor thing had it 91 percent to nine or whatever in the last week that Trump was going to lose. Right. Mm hmm. 
Um, and then so afterwards they said, you know, we, 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 we got to do better at reaching out and, uh, you know, having reporters out there and understanding the rest of America and all that sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm not sure that anybody has actually done that. But if you went, I'm guessing I think they had a spasm of it for about a week. If you went to like, like many a person's weight loss plan, go on, sorry. If you went to, to the Washington Post or the New York Times, I'm guessing, or any of the, the big news organizations, throwing Fox, any of them that are based in New York City and Washington, D.C., and they all live, they go back and forth between those two towns. If you, if you told any one of them, we're going to, um, we're going to send you to Des Moines or Omaha for the next three years, they'd quit their jobs. Mm-hmm. They would consider that a, a, a fate worse than death. To have to live in those towns for the next couple of years. And if you took people from Des Moines or Omaha and said you need to go to Washington, D.C. or New York for the next three years, they'd quit their job and consider it a fate worse than death to have to go live in either one of those towns. Mm, Well said. If you've got that, and I'm not arguing for either one, but if you've got that situation where almost all the media would rather be unemployed than live where you live, how can you have any... Um, uh, reportage that matches what the country is. Well, you can't. And that's why we don't. Right. It perfectly explains how why it's so disconnected from the rest of the country. They consider where everybody else lives just in an intolerable situation. That's an elaborate and eloquent uh, explanation of why we refer, refer to ourselves as the voice of the West. Um, the other reason is because it sounds really cool and grandiose and we thought it was funny not as grandiose as conscience of the nation right well you gotta up your grandiosity or people stop noticing that's when we got the bald eagle (laughs) (laughs) and the liberty bell so do we have sarah westwood of the washington examiner speaking of the eastern media elite coming up in a moment or two that's cool Uh, she watches the white house for us all all right yeah, we're not against watching the White House, for no, instance. No, no, it's just... Just don't want, you know, exclusivity. But the, the failings is in local news, right? The problem is when when the Washington, D.C. news and the New York news is the only news we get. Correct. And the, the local news kind of crumbling under bad business models is really what the problem is. Because yeah, those people don't have a way to get news other than the, the big media yeah. hubs. Well, pre-internet, nobody outside of the East Coast was reading the New York Times or the Washington Post. So it didn't matter. You only read your local state paper. But now everybody reads those big newspapers and takes in that media. And those people have contempt for your lifestyle. Mm. It's an interesting One more reason, reason we're doomed. Yeah, an interesting way to set up your media. Sarah Westwood next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Looking at this poll on uh, should Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller, fire or finish probe? They ask people. Seventy-two hmm. percent of Americans want him to finish the investigation. Eleven percent he should be fired. Wow! And then when you break it down by party, um, obviously, uh, you know most Dems him want him to finish. It's eighty-three to four. Independents, it's seventy-six to eight. And then even Republicans, it's fifty-seven to twenty-five. Yeah, I had a feeling it would be more you know, than a win in the direction it is, but it's over more overwhelming than I'd 
guess. Yeah, more than two to one, even among Republicans, say Mueller should finish as opposed to being fired. Why not? Let's be done with it. Um, and uh, Trump is, according to some, struggling to have a legal team to help him out on all these issues. I don't know if that's appropriate or not. He, some people have uh, left. Yeah, it's interesting anyway. Let's talk about that and other things with Sarah Westwood, White House correspondent for the Washington Examiner. Uh, Sarah, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, a couple of quick notes. First of all, uh, spent some, some pleasant time chatting with your colleague Gabby Morangello at the Hoover Institution function uh, Sunday and Monday. Absolutely. Yeah, Gabby's the best. No, no response. I can, oh, okay. Oh, no I response. thought maybe there was some bad yeah, blood there. I thought it was I pretty mean, clear that you don't like her. But, even okay. more bad blood than we were aware of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is a terrific uh, young woman. And uh, also, I uh, had a, a great chat with um, Deb Saunders of the Las Vegas Review-Journal last night about being White House correspondent. And the discussion was about uh, dinners left cold and vacations canceled during the whirlwind that is the Trump administration. I'm sure you can relate to that. Yes, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. So uh, Jack was talking about the, the, sh- the well, shakeup's the wrong word, the, uh, the, the lack of cohesion in Trump's legal team, people come and go and announce, then unannounce, that sort of thing. What should we know? Well, you know, it's really interesting because this sort of happened all of a sudden. We don't know what might be happening behind the scenes, but we do know that as these shakeups, for lack of a better word, uh, are occurring, it's right when Trump is preparing to either sit down with Robert Mueller or submit written responses to questions to Mueller. That's pretty much the the most vulnerable period for the president when he'll be the most legally exposed. And in theory, it would be the time when he'd be most in need of a filled-out legal team. So clearly he's frustrated with the approach that his current lawyers have been taking and uh, and he's casting about looking for some new representation. But it's pretty clear that he's having trouble finding attorneys who are going to do whatever it is that his legal team, John Dowd in particular, seemed unwilling to do. Well, the president watches famously a lot of cable TV. Maybe he can get a personal injury guy to, you know, just study <laughs> up on depositions. Is that in a car wreck? <laughs> I don't Call know. me at 1-800-NECK-ACHE. Hey, just let me interject really quickly. I think it's worth remembering now and in the future, if there's another special counsel, the jeopardy he's in in a deposition questioning, et cetera, is going to have, and, you know, granted, this is a bit of a prediction by me, but I'm pretty confident in it. It's going to have zero to do with any sort of collusion with Russia and probably nothing to do specifically with obstruction of justice. It's just the minefield that is don't say anything that later can be proved to be untrue or you can be charged with making a false statement. So this thing has gone you know, fairly far afield already. Right. But the, the fear, though, among White House aides um, is that somewhere along the way, you know, everyone was so confident when this began that there would be no evidence of collusion. They really genuinely viewed this as a partisan witch hunt. And as such, up until recently, many aides and former campaign hands may not have taken the investigation as seriously as they should have. They might have been careless with deleting documents, with not making sure that they were totally truthful, didn't omit anything when they talked to investigators. And because of that, I do think there is actually a real concern among White House allies, former campaign aides, that obstruction is something that could be on the table for this investigation because of the overconfidence at the beginning that there was no collusion. That's interesting. So 
like at least one lawyer named in the last week, or it was we were we read through the press that he was going to be the lawyer, um, backed out or changed his mind, or that's happened with a couple of people. What's going on there? Are are are, are people not wanting to represent Trump, or is that the wrong way to portray it? Well, with Joe DeGeneva and his wife Victoria Tensig, they were coming onto the legal team. The hiring was announced. But what happened was the White House didn't perform a thorough vet, it seems, because their law firm, Geneva and Tensig, is already representing Mark Corallo, the former just uh, former spokesman for President Trump's legal team, who has since become a witness for Mueller, who says he has information about some alleged obstruction that took place last year. Um, so, obviously, President Trump can't have a lawyer representing him in the Mueller case, who's also representing a witness that's testifying against him in the Mueller investigation. And because of that conflict, they weren't able to come on board the legal team. The question is, why was there so much disorganization or, or hastiness in, in announcing this that the vet wasn't performed to find out that pretty readily available piece of information before his hiring was announced. Okay, well, that's fine. Disorganization and hasty, that's different than the way the story is being portrayed by some as, you know, lawyers that will not represent Trump because he's such a bad guy. Yeah, come no, on. They, they, they couldn't. So, okay, yep. I get it. Lawyers represent bad guys all the time. Uh, Sarah Westwood of the Washington Examiner. At some point, Sarah, we probably don't have the time now. I'd love to know more about why everybody gets lawyered up or feels they have to because i know sometimes people are financially frequently financially ruined by getting dragged into these scandals and they end up spending their family fortune on on attorneys um i mean why that geek you mentioned needs an attorney at all i have no idea um well you should i mean always like any lawyer will tell you you should never 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 talk to the fbi without a lawyer next to you you just shouldn't do it that is a terrible idea if you're going to talk to the FBI, especially in a case that's this politicized, that where the world's attention is on it, and if you are somehow swept up in it because you made a mistake of your own volition, it could ruin your entire life forever. You just would not want to go into a situation where you're interacting with the FBI without a lawyer at your side. Yeah, I'll have to take your word for it. My life's not that complicated. I can't imagine not just sitting down by myself with the FBI and answering questions and staying out of trouble. You end up in Gitmo. Sarah Westwood of the Washington Examiner. Sarah, just a quick personal note. Um, you, you seem to be an increasingly hot get on cable news. Congratulations. Uh, you do a fabulous job. You're a great reporter and a nice person. I think that has a lot to do with it. But we're a little concerned that you're going to fall in love with the limelight of the television and leave your old radio friends behind. Yes, yeah, so... Uh, at, well, duly noted. Don't worry. I would at at the that. very least, take a moment to craft a convincing excuse of why you won't talk to us anymore because we're we're easily hurt. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll let you down easy. I thought. <laughs> All right, Sarah Westwood at Washington Examiner. You're the best, Sarah. Thanks. That's funny. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we got more details in the latest arrest in the Larry Nasser sex abuse case, and a new study determines the secret of happiness. Coming oh, that's, that's, that's probably should have led with that. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the weather, then how to be happy. <laughs> All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Eating fake balsamic vinegar, a warning. <laughs> that we'll get to at some point. Fair warning. <laughs> wow. And so, coming up, 
this headline is the anti-gun movement too white. Oh, wow. Those Jeez. who slice it thin as can be have sliced it even thinner. Man, you're really tying yourself in knots Too there. many white people in the anti-gun movement. How mad? It's not okay. It's so not okay. Oh, I'll talk about that at the time, I suppose. Uh, also, the Dow up, what, the most in 17 years or something like that yesterday in, yep. the, in the NASDAQ. Dee, 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 dee. <laughs> there was Donald Trump. Bye, 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 bye. So uh, let's get to the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, a Michigan State University official who oversaw a clinic where former sports doctor Larry Nasser worked is facing criminal charges for allegedly inappropriately touching a student and storing nude photos of female students on his work computer. What? William Strample, who was dean of the College of uh, Osteopathic Medicine until late last year, charged today with a felony and two misdemeanors. They had a pedophile club. Yeah, so... A university-based Ph.D. Pedophile club. So I've wondered about that with a bunch of these different institutions, whether it's the Catholic Church, Penn State, Olympic gymnastics or swimming. Um, is it other pedophiles that move these pedophiles around and protect them, or is it just the whole bureaucracy thing that we've discussed so much? And, and you know, it's, it depends on the case, but. Here's one where it's other people that are into the whole pedophile thing. Well, I tell you what, knowing something about how bureaucracies work, if you've got this Nasser guy, and there are suspicions about him, right. and the rumblings start among the administration, and Nasser says to this other guy, Strample, yep. he says, uh, it'd be a shame if somebody found your computer, too. Strample, all of a sudden, is converted into some sort of Nasser uh, defender. Right. For his own self-interest. Who knows? Strample, who is 70 years old, told police last year he never followed up after ordering Nasser in 2014 to have a third person present when providing treatment to anything close to a sensitive area. Wow, so he was he was letting the, the pervo perv because he was a perv. That's nice. And coming in this hour, federal authorities say they got a guy under arrest accused of sending half a dozen suspicious packages to military installations and government buildings in the D.C. area. Officials only saying the suspect was from the Pacific Northwest. There's a package sent to the National Defense University. How the hell are you going to say that if you're going to say anything? Yeah. Well, who cares? Right. Package sent yesterday morning contained explosive material. It was rendered safe and nobody got hurt, but there were five other packages at the CIA's mail distribution point. Wow. So, in other news, we have got the California man who was killed by Sacramento police in a controversial shooting. He's going to be laid to rest on Thursday. The shooting of the unarmed Stefan Clark sparking protests, national outrage. Clark was shot at 20 times by two officers who mistook the cell phone in Clark's hand for a gun. His grandmother calling for changes in the way police confront suspects. Sakita Thompson saying through tears at a news conference. Why did you shoot him in the arm? Shoot him in the leg? Send a dog? Send a taser? Why? <laughs> the Reverend Al Sharpton is planning to attend. Oh, his that'll funeral. help everything. Yeah. Okay. So it's Great. become a Al Sharpton shows up size event. Yeah. Yeah. There are various demonstrations and marches throughout Sacramento, blocking traffic. You know, keeping people from appointments. We've received several emails about that sort of thing including, tragically, one uh, uh, job interview that the person really needed. Well, um, okay, but, but if, if, if you fully believe that the 
police are preying on you and shooting unarmed people, you you would say that takes precedence over somebody who's going to be late for something. Well, right, yeah. I, you know, I have sympathy for the grandmother there in the clip, and I'm sure she's heartbroken, and I sympathize, but there are specific answers to most of her questions there. Perfectly reasonable answers, but this... These things are never about dialogue. Please see Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. There were very few minds changed or ideas exchanged in a productive way. Everybody's going to yell and vent and defend or attack and blah, blah, blah. So as move the, on with our lives. Has the mayor of Sacramento changed his opinion any? I mean, initially he was, uh, I'm not going to second guess them. It was a split second decision. Um, he, he's still backing the investigation. Let's investigate and see what uh, right. happens. So it's it seems to me that that for whatever reason, national forces that are using this as part of a national argument are now starting to come into the Sacramento area yep. because locally, at least the mayor, who as I've pointed out many times, we we go way back with Mayor Steinberg, uh, he's more than willing to be on uh, the controversial end of. Uh, of, you know, baiting people if he thinks he's got an argument, but he must not think he's got an argument in this case, right? Wouldn't well, you guess? Yeah, I don't. I, I think probably being the mayor, he feels the need, and he has the need to support the police when they're right, and so I think it's restraining him from his rabble rousing inclinations. Honestly, I All mean, right. just listen to everybody. We have the we have the link at armstrongandgetty.com of the body cam videos, the helicopter video. Uh, the rest of it. Watch it, you know, draw whatever conclusion you, you see fit. All right, we're going to shift gears now. we got a new study that found the secret to happiness. You don't want to know what the secret to happiness is? Yes, please. Using the inner... I don't want to know. I don't want to know oh, okay. the secret to happiness. Right, just, I'd rather not know. No, yes, I'll find of course. It on my own. Who would say I don't want to know? <laughs> I, I, I'll probably mock it, but I would like to hear it. The secret to happiness... Maybe the secret is mockery. Huh? That would be something. The secret to happiness is using the internet every day. That is the results of the All University right. of Oslo Norway study... <laughs> Stupid Norwegians. Ask more than 100,000 people about what during their daily life makes them happy. And being online, they say, helps you save time, connect your friends faster, and provides access to a wealth of information to help you make better decisions. The Winter Olympics are over, Norway. We're not supposed to hear from you for another four years. Thank you. (laughs) There's a wealth of information on the Internet that will help you make decisions. That's what they said. (laughs) Boy, you ever get cornered by a Norwegian at a cocktail party? <laughs> Kill yourself. You know, there's a lot of information on the internet. Really help you make decisions. That's right. And it helps you stay in touch with your friends. There's, you know? there's also a wealth of information on the internet that will make you help you make horrible decisions. And it's a nice way to stay in touch with, with people who hate you and say awful things about you. There's a wealth of information that turns out is completely made up yeah, on the you, internet. You can absolutely just share these personal moments of accomplishment and, and feeling of pride and be instantly told that you suck and yeah, you should die. Exactly. I'm going right. to tell everyone about how you are. Or be subjected continually to people's idealized little chunks of their life, which makes you convinced yours is awful. So yes, the internet is a wonderful thing, according to Norway. (laughs) We'll let you know next time we're skiing and shooting at the same time. (laughs) Alright, that's it. I'm done. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Excellent burn on their chosen sports, Sean. Yes! How's that taste, Norway? (laughs) I bet it tastes cold, doesn't it? Like some weird fish. Ah, Don't worry, be happy. 
Right. <laughs> Hasn't every other study shown that people are depressed when they get offline? Eh, well, they found that not having the Internet at all would make a lot of people's life significantly worse, according to this study out of Norway. Okay, gotcha. Here's a little um, song I wrote. I got maybe the two worst people in America. What they did. Oh, boy. Over the weekend. And it's the anti-gun movement to white. Wow. God, if I'm one of those kids out there trying to, you know, make some change that's going to save my life, or so you think, to have this come up has got to spin your head around. Well, and then the moment the anti-gun movement gets less white, it'll be too straight. And then it'll be too, I don't know. Southeastern. Okay, stay tuned for that. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You know those uh, memorials that pop up anytime there's a tragedy? They, of course, there's one at the uh, Parkland, Florida High School with the toys and teddy bears and wreaths and all that sort of stuff. Well, here's a couple that were uh, sneaking in there and stealing stuff to sell it. And they just got arrested for third-degree disfiguring a tomb or something like that. <laughs> you got to wonder about a, uh, a couple, man and woman, who, who do that sort of thing. You are a certain breed of human. Got the whiskey tango look about them. Yeah, they do. <laughs> you know, yeah, Man. I happen to see this story. You know, I, I've got to admit, they are unquestionably pieces of crap. He's to cite the technical. Term. He's served time for dealing oxycontin, so he's just there's a shock. Yeah, they're unquestionably pieces of crap. On the other hand, whether it's Princess Diana or this tragedy or a hundred other things. I always wonder what people imagine is going to happen to those stuffed animals and I don't know and flowers and the cards and all and why you do that and you, what it means. Yeah. Just, you're either the sort of person that has that impulse or you're not. It never occurs to me. I get really bothered by some of these things. It never occurs to me to go buy a stuffed animal and take it and put it there. I don't leave it by a fence. Right. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know the uh, roadside memorials though. You know, in loving memory of Mike and right. he got a cross there and flowers. I understand it's. Is that a Hispanic thing or something about the place where somebody dies is somehow significant? I don't know much well, about it, obviously. Well, but it seems to have a lot of religious right, something or other. Right. And, and it's, uh, it's fine. They're usually, you know, pleasing to the eye. And they always remind me, yes. okay, this could be a dangerous place to drive. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's the point, but... Sometimes, though, I'm on a corner and I think, how did somebody die here? Yeah. What was going on? Yeah, I think that a lot. Or I think, uh, clearly, motorcycle. Right. Testing the limits. Found the limits. Well, here's the limit of stupidity. <clears throat> well, I don't know. It just goes to show the difficulty of being a social justice warrior. Uh, I, it looks like stressful work to me, honestly, because, and, you know, uh, Marxists and, and, and far leftists and radicals from years past will, will be able to tell you about this. Um, that you're constantly having to keep up with the party line, lest you be cited as a heretic 
One of the speakers, uh, was it Neil Ferguson? One of the speakers at the Hoover Institution made the point that, um, that uh, I have it in my notes here, that saying um, you are, what was the term? Is equivalent to being a heretic. Oh, it was the uh, you're a Nazi or you're a, a racist. Uh, I think was. Right. Yeah. It's uh, well, no, it wasn't that. It was a little more subtle than that. But but the point is, you'll you'll be accused of heresy, and and as soon as you're a heretic, you're you know you're out. But anyway, the headline is: Is the new anti-gun movement too white? Hotly debated question on social media as hundreds of thousands rallied on Saturday, et cetera, et cetera. Parkland, seventeen. Kids killed, etc. People killed. Protesters were being accused of hypocrisy, as some ask why they didn't turn out for the Black Lives Matter movement, which was set up in 2013 to help end police violence against black people, etc., etc. Debate on Twitter focused on a photograph of white protesters holding up their palms, which read, Don't shoot. The slogan and gesture became a rallying cry in 2014 after 18-year-old Michael Brown, blah, 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 Ferguson, Missouri, where were y'all when black people were getting shot, though? If gun control doesn't include police and your protesting doesn't include innocent black people, I do not want it. You know, we we glossed over, I think we were talking about other things, but there was a big to-do uh, for like two days on social media. Of course, every day there's a big to-do about something on social media. And MSNBC dealt with this a little bit. Is all the interest in Parkland because the victims were white? Is it racism? It was a nice try. I didn't have any idea what color the people were who died, Parkland. Did you? No, but uh, all the all the kids I've seen speaking about it have been white for the most part. I think. Mm. Oh, the uh, Emma Gonzalez, the the shaved head girl, is one of the the bigger faces. She's of Cuban descent. Okay, um, whatever. Yeah, I, just, yeah, I don't I, think about it when I look I at these people. It. So get people to wear jumpsuits with patches on their chest. All right. Come on now, star for Jews. A pink triangle? What, what was it for homosexuals? Let's do it like Nazis. If you need to know everybody's ethnicity, orientation, nationality, etc., at every moment, do it like the Nazis did progressives. Now, if you just want to, and I think this is all absolutely true, if you, if you want to picture uh, mass school shootings as a white thing and individual shootings that's gang-related a black thing, I think that's pretty accurate. In general, uh, and there and there, there's more of the uh, you know individual gang shootings like in the Chicago area and that sort of stuff. There are many, more people many dying, but it's one at a time. Um, does he get like less coverage because it's black or because it's one of a time, one of one at a time, versus the walk into a school and shoot a bunch of people, which gets a lot of attention because it's so freaking awful, right? But it's almost always you know whitish, if not white. Well, I think part of the explanation is right in the name news. You know, it's novelty. It's not novel to report a bunch of young black men got shot dead in Chicago. Or, you know, the miraculous work of surgeons saved dozens more in a single weekend in Chicago. We haven't it's just had, not noteworthy. Not have, novel because it's just so common in well, those it's areas? It's not novel because yeah. it's not novel. It isn't new. We it haven't. Uh, it, it's, uh, we know. But we haven't had a young black man walk into a high school and shoot a bunch of black classmates. That has not happened. Nope. For whatever reason. And please don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Why are we discussing this again? Well, well, because the activists are angry and they're 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 trying to compare for some reason police shooting at black people with black people shooting at each other with white kids walking into schools and killing classmates. 
and that one is more legitimate or where were you at some point. I would suggest to you different people become aware in different ways and at different times and take different approaches to the issue. And you probably shouldn't turn snarling on people who are, you know, supporting you. I hope that that's the social justice warrior way. I hope that to the extent they're trying to affect gun laws, it's not derailed by this sort of thing. Um, Stop eating fake balsamic vinegar. I'll have to get to that at some point. Finally, a cause we can get behind. Jimmy Carter called Trump's pick of John Bolton a disaster. The worst thing Trump has done. Um, So he's on the fence. (laughs) So he's not sure. (laughs) He says there are pros and cons. Yeah. I saw a New York Times editorial board called it a disaster also. So a lot of people unhappy with that. Well, you know, I, I suggest we wait and see because we're going to wait and then see. Yeah, well, but, yeah. you know, that's, that's fine. That's the way it's going to turn out. Anyway. I'm not on, on an editorial board. So what is this? I don't, know what, own. I don't know what this is. Oh, yeah, we've got a great guest coming up who has done a lot of thinking and talking and study of what could possibly bring back any brand of conservatism slash the Republican Party or anything like it in the progressive Western states. Or is it just doomed as a contract, as a uh, as a concept? Do we need to disband the Republican Party and never speak of it again? Bill Whalen, an old hand at West Coast politics, coming up. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.